My name is Merrill Dubrow, CEO of Mark Research and the chair-elect of the MS Marketing Research Program at Michigan State University. I'm really excited to be part of Spartan Insights. Spartan Insights is a series of podcasts that I'll be hosting and interviewing one of the 350 alumni and 40 board members from the Michigan State Marketing Research Program. Today's guest on Spartan Insights is Emily Allen, who is Market Insights Market Research Manager at Google. Emily, thanks so much for being a guest on Spartan Insights. Thank you, Meryl. It's an honor to be here. I know. And this is like our first time we're ever talking. So you know this is going to be unrehearsed and unscripted. I don't even know what I'm going to say, nor do you, which is just actually fun and makes it <laughs> exciting and, and very authentic. So let's start with this. You're at Google. Wow. Discuss your current job and responsibilities, could you, Emily? Yes, I, I graduated from the MS Market Research Program in December of 2018, but I actually started my role at Google before graduating. So I started in September of 2018 working on the Retail Marketing Insights role org uh, within the hardware division of Google. But I'm a part of a broader program within Google's marketing org called APMM or Associate Product Marketing Manager. And so I'll talk a little bit about the program. The first rotation is a year and a half. The second rotation is a year. And then once you get promoted within your second rotation, that is when you kind of graduate, as we call from the program. So I, I spent my first year and a half doing market research and insights, qual and quant in the Mountain View office, living in San Francisco. And now my current role is I'm on the market insights team for EMEA, so Europe, Middle East, and Africa, uh, working with them on ads marketing and different thought leadership pieces. And so it's a ton of fun. The role is based in London. And as soon as the lockdown restrictions are lifted, I'm really, really looking forward to moving. That's exciting. I've never been to Mountain View. I've never been to the corporate headquarters. So tell me about the first time you went there, because I got to believe a lot of the students, a lot of the listeners have no idea what to expect. If I had to take some words or use some words to describe it without ever being there, I would say innovative, wow, impressive. Am I right? Yeah, it's quite the place. I can walk you through my first day. That was the first time I had actually ever been to the campus. So I did a couple in-person interviews, but they weren't on the main Google campus. And so when I first went, I was working, uh, one of my roommates worked for one of Alphabet's subsidy companies, Verily. And so he showed me how the buses worked because Google, um, we're really, really privileged where Google will drive us to and from South Bay and San Francisco. So if you live in the city, it's an incredible privilege that the company offers. So I get there, I get on this bus and it's this big double-decker bus. You flash your badge. I didn't have a badge yet. So I gave my information. Bus driver lets me on. I sit down and there's little tables on the buses. So we decided to sit on the lower level of the bus. And my roommate is sitting across from me and there's the Google logo um, threaded onto the seats. And so it was kind of a surreal experience. I think I took a picture of it because I wanted to remember the moment. So we drive down to South Bay which is quite, quite the commute. It was about an hour and 20 minutes every day for the days that I worked in Mountain View one way. And we get to the Google campus and it's kind of like a college campus. There's lots of buildings everywhere. It's bustling. 
the people on bikes, that is real. There's lots and lots of people on the little Google bikes uh, riding between the different buildings because I, I don't remember exactly the number of buildings on the main Mountain View campus, but there are dozens. And so it's, it, it's actually pretty common that you will have a meeting in one building and then have to run over to another building for your next meeting. And so we actually utilize the virtual chats a lot on the Google campus because it's really tough to like run back and forth between buildings if you have to. But no, I, I went for Noogler orientation is what they call it, new Googler orientation at the main building where we have all of our company-wide talks where the CEO speaks every week and there's lots of events. So we have like a big pride event. We have a big Halloween party, things like that on the main campus. And I went and sat in the auditorium and was ready, surrounded by lots of really incredible, brilliant people and quite intimidated <laughs> to be honest, but was in, a, was in a really, really big room and was basically introduced to the culture and what I would be exposed to over my tenure here. Very exciting, but also terrifying and intimidating. No, I'm sure. I mean, the only thing I know, I mean, the closest I've ever gotten to the Google campus, I guess, is watching the movie Internship, right? With Vince Vaughn and, and Owen Wilson, which I assume was, was videoed there, was, was shot there, right? I believe it was shot actually at one of the Ivy League's campuses. I might be completely wrong, but I know it wasn't shot actually at the corporate headquarters. I think it was shot it on a college campus. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's research. great. Yeah, no, and, and nor did I. Well, let's talk a little bit about your time at Michigan State with the MSMR program. What do you think in the first, you know, 15, 16 months, 18 months of your job, were some of the key takeaways that you learned at Michigan State that really are going to help you in your job today, tomorrow, and in 10 years? One thing I believe that the program does really, really well is introduce you to the different types of research. I remember the first time I think I really appreciated the program was actually my first week at Google. And my manager Google's a very crazy place. Everyone is working on 15 projects at once and no one has time to do anything. And it's always just this crazy hodgepodge, uh, which makes it really, really exciting, but also incredibly intimidating as a new employee, especially someone who's just starting their first job. But the first time my manager gave me an assignment, it was actually to review a screener and sign off on um, the content, essentially, that we were going to be putting in the field later that week. And it wasn't a requirement to join APMM that I had market research experience, you know, but I think that the fact that the program introduced me to what is a screener, what makes an effective screener, how should you be fielding a survey, things like that, the program taught me. And I found that to be incredibly valuable when I was actually trying to do some of this work because I had that introductory language, basically market research is kind of its own language. And if you don't know how to speak it, you, you struggle a lot. And so I was very, very thankful to know what people were talking about, what a screener was, what a mod guide was. These are things that I didn't know going into the MSMR that really, really helped me in my first research role. That's great. Are you actually in your rotation, Emily, are you working on research projects? Like, do you have three, four, five, seven projects right now? Or uh, how's that right now? Yeah, so my first rotation was all market research. So it was current rotation is also all market research. But the, the previous okay. one, I was the global lead for a lot of our like, digital initiatives or channel marketing initiatives for the hardware business. And so all of my stakeholders were internal at that time. 
And so basically, if we had somebody, uh, if we were launching a new product and we wanted to test out that demo experience, I would be the one in charge of running that UX study. Or if we were going to put a new fixture in retail, what do we need to know about that fixture? And then how can we extrapolate those learnings globally? Because Google's a global company. So what are the nuances that we need to pay attention to when putting a fixture in the US versus putting a fixture in France versus putting a fixture in Japan, for example? So that was my previous role. Internal stakeholders would reach out, ask a question, and I would run off and answer it for them. And now my current role is a little bit different because my stakeholders are internal and external. So working on Google ads, my team is the one publishing a lot of the Think with Google articles. How can our Google advertisers optimize their ad experiences? And so some of the questions I'm answering are internal, but for the intention of having an external audience eventually. So it's actually been a pretty big shift for me in the past few months to understand the landscape of what it means to have an internal stakeholder versus an external stakeholder. Typically, it means a lot more legal involved. That's interesting. That's really cool. You know, I don't know if you saw, but in 2019, there's a report called the Grit Report, and it had Google as the third most innovative client in the insight space, which is really, really cool. And there was other big companies that were on there. McDonald's was on there. P&G was on there. It was a very impressive list. You guys were number three. Can you talk about, I know in the last year and a half, the most innovative or different or challenging project that you worked on? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, One of the big challenging projects I had on my previous role was how do we measure an experience online? So I headed up a lot of our digital analytics initiatives in my previous role. So we needed to essentially create a measurement tool on how do we actually measure this retail experience. And so we looked at a lot of our own data. Um, We had an in-store experience ranking that we could kind of use as a benchmark. So we thought about, we did a ton of brainstorming. We met with a lot of our stakeholders on what's important in the digital experience. What do consumers look for when they, when they land on a website? So we were focused solely on the actual first party and third party site experience and that purchase journey as customers are going through that site and exploring Google products. How do we stay top of mind? And how do customers learn about our products? You know, Google hardware is a little bit confusing for a lot of people. Voice activated speakers and smart doorbells. It's new, it's new technology. And so a lot of people don't really understand all the time how those products are working. And so just making sure that we're educating our consumers and maintaining our brand imagery and maintaining like the simplicity and Googliness as we call it internally, uh, making it fun, making it educational, making it helpful is a big pillar that we, we really try to adhere to. And so that was a really fun and ambiguous project because it was kind of working from the ground up on how do we measure this really strange and ambiguous topic, you know, if we don't have a good framework. So did lots of internal research, met with a lot of people, did a lot of interviews, and then actually came up with a measurement tool. And it's still being used today, and it's actually being rolled out to more countries was the last I heard. So I was very, very proud of that on my previous team. Oh, that's great. Thanks for sharing. There's definitely a lot of takeaways for for the students, for sure, with that. All right, we're going to have a fun, we're going to have something fun. I just thought of something based on something you said. You ready? Pick a number, three, four, or five. Pick a number. Five. Great. So you use the word Googliness, right? 
other yes. than Googling is teach me five words. Meryl, when you go to campus, when you go to HQ, you've got to know these five words or you're going to be an outcast. What are the five? Give me five <laughs> words. Give me the, the secret sauce behind Google. Like if I walk into in and outburg and I say animal style, I know I'm getting onions on. Come on. Give me something. You wanna, you wanna, okay. Give um, me five. So uh, TGIF is our company meeting. So we have it almost every week. I think when Larry and Sergey were there, they tried to host it every week, but now that Sundar is the CEO and he's hosting, I think it's bi-weekly or monthly or whatever cadence he's available. So TGIF, thank God it's Friday, but it actually happens okay. on Thursday because again, we're a global team and <laughs> Friday in APAC is actually Saturday. So uh, we have TGIF okay. on, on Thursdays. Um, a tricks okay. is what we call what? Um, a Google sheet. So like Google Sheets, okay. we call that a tricks. So it's like, hey, pass okay. over that tricks. And that was actually something I okay. didn't know was like Google thing until one of my vendors was like, what do you mean? I Googled it. What is a tricks? I have no idea what you're talking about. Three is red triangle. If you're on the main campus, that's one yeah. of the coffee trucks. We're very privileged to have food and coffee on the main Google campus. And so one of the favorites is the coffee trucks. Okay. MoMA is our we search around on moma it's kind of like how facebook uses facebook to talk to different company employees we use moma so it's like our own internal google search one more got one more that one, jumps out one because i'm almost ready to apply for a job emily i'm getting close <laughs> um one more is perth i guess that's our our biannual performance review so Got it gets it. really okay. confusing when it's someone like me who I, I use a lot of slang in my everyday speech. And so I'm just like, ooh, perf, like I'll send that uh, to you. And my my Google peers don't like that because it reminds them of our, our twice a year performance review. <laughs> wow. So we're going to switch gears a little bit, okay? Obviously, you know, a few months ago, you're in your rotation and you were going to be in London and life changes for the world with the pandemic and you're not going there. and you know, we're still in the middle of, of COVID-19 and hopefully this this wave will be get past quickly. Let's talk a little bit about how you've been able to deal with that because that's really hard. I mean, you're a year and a half or a little less from graduating college. How hard has that been to kind of have your life diverted? You thought you were on one path. Now you still be on that path, but it's just delayed. How hard has that been for you to, to navigate through that? Candidly, it's been really challenging. You know, I, I yeah. left my apartment in San Francisco at the end of March thinking I was moving to London. And now I'm very privileged. I feel very, very privileged to be back at my family home back in Michigan. But it is challenging, you know, thinking that I was on this new adventure in this new role on this new team on this new continent. And that obviously got delayed. But I will say that I, it's a day-by-day -day thing. Some days I'm feeling very privileged and happy to be home with family and get this time because I never thought I'd be back in Michigan, especially not at 24, you know, but it, it's been really great. It's been great to connect with family members. It's been great to see some old friends at a socially safe distance, but yeah, I'm, I'm trying to take advantage of the opportunity and understand what a privileged position I am in to be able to be with family right now, given yeah. um, a lot of people don't have that opportunity. So it is challenging, but I'm, I'm feeling very privileged that my employer lets me work remote and my 
team, despite sitting in Europe and um, Middle East and North Africa, they are very accommodating that I am on the Eastern time zone. It's challenging, but I also feel very privileged to be in the position that I'm in and very thankful for all of those that made that a possibility for me. Good for you. Well said. You know, I appreciate the authenticity of you saying that it is challenging. I think there's some really good takeaways there because, look, even though you have a great path and even though you have every every I dotted and every T crossed and have thought through everything, sometimes life gives you a curveball and you've got to react to that positively. And clearly you've done that. Way to go. I'm flattered, Meryl, that you think I have every, every I dotted and every T crossed. Well, no, but listen, <laughs> and let's think about it this way for a second, okay? I mean, you graduate from an amazing MSMR program in Michigan State, right? You're in a rotation program. You're the first person. My understanding is you're the first person from Michigan State who's been in the Google rotation program. You're without question working for one of the most admired companies in the entire world. Nobody, I mean, I don't think 10 minutes goes by where people are not on Google, the Google search, that aren't thinking about Google. You guys are always in the news. And you know, when you have a rotation, you know what your life is going to look like because it's all mapped out and Google's done an amazing job with that. And like you said, I'm leaving San Francisco and I'm going to go to London. Oops. No, diversion to Lansing. It's a little bit different, right? But just to have the perspective that you do, I think is really impressive. I really, really do. I know a lot of people who are a lot older than you that wouldn't have embraced that like you have. Way to go. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. So let's talk, let's end with this. Any advice, best practices, Emily's words of wisdom that you could give the MSMR students in the program today? One piece of advice that I've been trying to give, I I try to do everything I can to meet with different students. If someone reaches out on LinkedIn, especially a Michigan State student, I try to I try to make time for them, especially an MSMR student. And one piece of advice that I think is incredibly underrated is the need to spend time thinking about yourself and your life yeah. and learning who you are. And it, it sounds a bit strange, but how can you expect to know anyone else? How can you expect to analyze other people and use behavioral science to study others, you know, if you don't even know yourself. Start asking yourself those hard questions, you know, it's like, what are you afraid of? Do you have something that happened in your childhood that made you this brave person that you are? You want to leave the state? Amazing. Um, Do you want to leave for new opportunity or are you running from something? If so, what are you running from? And that's something in a thought exercise that I try to do every single day because there's always something new you can learn about yourself. And I'll I'll give a quick anecdote. People say, oh, you're so successful. Oh my gosh, you're at Google. It's amazing. And for me, I'm, I'm always so flattered. It's always very, very kind. But at the end of the day, I was only successful, air quote, at getting this job because that was my intention. I started at Michigan State. I was an undergrad at Michigan State as well. And I started my first week of freshman year. I went to this career fair and there were only two companies that I was actually interested in working for and talking to. I only took two business cards and it wasn't until my senior year of college that I was cleaning out all my old stuff, planning on moving to Boston and moving to San Francisco for other adventures. And I found those business cards and one was for Google and one was for General Motors. 
And at the end of the day, at the end of my college experience, those were the only two full-time job offers that I ended up receiving. And so you have to set that intention. It's so crucial. It's so important. It doesn't matter how fast you are if you can't find the finish line. If you don't have that goal, if you don't have that North Star that you're running towards consciously, or for me, it was subconscious. I didn't remember that career fair. I didn't remember the business cards. But in that day, I set that intention that those were the companies that I wanted to work for. And I, through my actions subconsciously, I think I made that happen for myself. Knowing yourself wow. and setting that intention is so important. That is phenomenal advice. And because that was so impressive, I'm not ending the interview yet. We're going to go for one more question, which is this, and then I'll make <laughs> a point. So finish this sentence. You ready? I would like to get better at blank in the next six months. You don't even have to defend it. Just give me what, fill in the blank. Listening. I would like to get better at blank. I would like to get better at okay. listening. Let me now tell you a story. Somebody who's got gray hair and is, a little, is definitely a lot older than you. Most people don't have self-awareness. They don't know who they are. And you framed it really, really well. They don't know who they are. They don't know what their strengths are. They don't know what their weaknesses are. They don't know what they need to improve. They don't know how they come across to others. They don't know how to communicate. Everybody is in sales. You know, a lot of people fight me on that. I'm like, listen, wait a minute. You may not be selling a product. You may not be selling a service, but you're in sales. Because at Google, for instance, you could have the greatest idea, Emily, but if you can't convey that idea and communicate that effectively to your peers, to your boss, to your teammates, that idea is going to die on the vine. And, and the fact that you quickly, in, in a second, said, hey, I want to get better at listening, it's a show and an example of you are looking at yourself, and it's okay to be vulnerable, and it's okay to be scared. And well done, really. Emily, any last-minute minute comments you want to make before we sign off today? I, I think to the students, just try to use this time and learn, learn as much as you can. And it doesn't have to be about marketing. It doesn't have to be about market research. I actually find that some of the most influential pieces of my work have come from other sources, whether it's learning how to play the piano or learning how to cook or getting inspiration, watching Netflix or something like that. You know, it's always be curious and always try to keep an open mind, even if, even if you're not particularly interested in a topic, I think it's so important to always try to be learning and stay curious. And I know that this is an incredibly challenging time, especially for those in the black community that are facing this just yep. incredible injustices right now really just try to keep learning and keep educating yourself despite being in lockdown. And that will help your career more than any market research resource ever could, I believe. Absolutely. Well, listen, I'm going to end with this. I'm going to give you two shows to watch on Netflix if you haven't seen it, and then I'm going to ask you to give me one. So if you haven't seen Ozarks, which is great, um, and The Imposters, Imposters is okay. very interesting, fun, both series. One is three seasons, one is two. But now your turn. Give me something I, I need to watch on Netflix. So this is a little bit lighter, but I like watching The Crown. It's not necessarily educational. It is if you're interested in learning about British history. But I think that The Crown at least inspired me to do a lot of global historical research because I think it really nicely ties together what was going on in the world while things were happening um, with the royal family. So it's not for right. everyone, wow. but I, I personally really loved it. And when I found out I was moving to London, I rewatched the series. So that was a ton of fun that I had with oh. my that's great. Well, Emily, I can't thank you enough. I really appreciate your time today on Spartan Insights. My name is Merrill Dubrow. Thanks for listening.